0: Welcome to the Nine Bro Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Welcome everybody, this is Jeff Anthony Garcia and my buddy Sean Campbell, and we're excited to get into our first episode of the Summer Apologetics class, Yeah, and uh... As we're sitting here, not that I didn't know it was already complex, man, this is, there's a lot of subjects and not a lot of time. Yeah. At least in this life. All right. <laughs> to, to go over apologetics. And uh, I'm sitting here like, man, what did we go over?
1: I mean, there's a whole lot to this. I mean, kind of like what we talked about with Christian sexuality. It's, it's really complex, but it's simple at the same time because it's all rooted in. God's authority and if we believe God's word is authoritative then what he says about sex is also authoritative and so as we discuss with apologetics, um, foundation of apologetics is truth and if truth doesn't exist then apologetics is meaningless as Paul tells us um, you know if Christ wasn't risen from the dead then we are to be most pitied and he was talking to people who could check, you know, we're two thousand years removed from that, but because of the evidence that God gave us through history of His existence and the truth of His word, then we can speak His truth, and our faith be bolstered by the evidence. So we don't believe because of the evidence, but we don't also believe in spite of the evidence.
0: Um, so he, hes hes the God of the seen and unseen. Is. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's the dilemma of today's society. What is truth? Whose truth? This truth. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think that's really the importance when we when we um, when God privileged us to minister to this specific group and uh, to take the course that we did the first time with uh, Christian sexuality and. Through that whole entire thing, the theme was identity in our God, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, everything. Right. That without that, it's meaningless. Right. It's all vanity. Right? right. And I believe that was the ending statement that we had in our last podcast. And without that identity, everything is just vain. Yeah. Right. You know, my my distant, 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 very distant cousin Solomon wrote a. <laughs> A yeah. chapter in the, in the Bible, we'll call it Ecclesiastes. and I think that's the theme of the yeah. whole book, right? It's <laughs> Everything is
1: vanity. <laughs> yeah, so. It's meaningless. It's, yeah. it's pointless. So I want to start off. I think it's important that we start with truth. What do you think of that approach as we're moving into this summer? Like, what do you think of starting there? And how do you see that, like, identity and Christian sexuality? How do you see truth? Do you see truth as being connected to what we talk about?
0: I think the first thing we need to identify is that um, truth is not feeling. We can, feel, we can feel a whole lot of different things, and uh, to put it in a secular view on um, man, squirrel moment. I'm so sorry. Um, to, to put it into views, we lie to ourselves. And we can tell people, like, stop lying to yourself. Well, who's to say I'm lying to myself? I believe I'm true. Right. I believe this is my story. I believe. It. We we tend to do that, which, bringing it into biblical context, we're creating an idol, and that's what we're going to do. I'm creating my God. I'm creating my worldview because this is what, this is what matters because I feel that way. And um, feelings... I would say come from the heart and not from the mind. <laughs> yeah. The heart affects the mind. Um, so, and the heart's deceitful.
1: Yeah. Desperately wicked.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, understanding that our feelings are not truth, I think that that's the key point there. It's understanding that truth will hurt our feelings.
1: Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a good question is, you know, what, what evidence I like that word, you know, I bring it up a lot, but what evidence is there to support those feelings, you know, because they are your feelings, and, you know, I'm not going to tell you your your feelings are necessarily wrong, but I will ask you, you know, what what facts support those feelings, And and sometimes, I know for me, that helps me feel differently, or at least understand that those feelings aren't as scary, or nasty, or even... Just powerful in general, um, but like this you know, was mentioned last week: you know, live your truth, live your best life. Um, you know that's that's a lie. Um, in fact, I, I just read Alyssa Childers' latest book is "Live Your Truth" and other lies that we tell ourselves. Because if I'm living my truth, then I'm denying one. I'm denying God's truth in my life, but also. I'm just denying reality because I can't have my truth cuz if I have my truth then my truth has to be objectively true by making that claim I'm making an objective claim and I'm violating what I just said if it's just my truth and I want other people to believe it that has to be objectively true and then that contradicts the statement
0: so what what's the uh, difference between objective and subjective
1: okay so subjective truth is standpoint epistemology. You know, we talked to briefly a few weeks ago about epistemology. Epistemology is the study of truth and the nature of knowledge. And so standpoint epistemology is I'm basing my truth, I'm basing my worldview off of my standpoint, off of my perspective and subjective I don't even like the word truth. Um, but subjective truth is tied up in just how I feel, you know, what I think, and what I think and how I feel might be tied to something objective, but in general, it's not. It is just more how I feel, and because I feel good, then I'm gonna say this is true. Where objective truth is tied up in who God is. Um, you know, we base our rational philosophy on God as creator and then because he is eternal and he's faithful and above us he can set the rules for knowledge and for truth and so that objective truth is based on his existence. That objective truth is based on reality that this is a table no matter what I think about it it's not deep um, but that's a simple you know, I can think all I want to about this table. It's going to be a table. I can think so many different things about the world around me, but it's, it's still the same. And so objective truth is that measure that's outside us, where subjective truth is what's inside me.
0: So can there be objective <clears throat> truth
1: without God? There are a lot of atheist philosophers that try to make the case Um, But the problem is um, if all you believe in is natural and materialistic then just the claim defies your worldview. Because if everything exists has a natural cause there's no natural cause for philosophy. There's no natural cause for math. There's no natural cause for consciousness. And so just by making the claim they betray themselves because if all that exists is natural, then there is no objective frame of reference because it has to be constantly changing. You know, Natural selection is constantly working and they will say it's not chance, it's natural selection, the beauty of selection because it defies chance. Chance is, doesn't get you anywhere and, and they'll, they'll say that, but natural selection is just you know Richard Dawkins talks about it just the beauty and they don't like the word design but they say design just this gorgeous design because just the unknowing you know blind watchmaker that that is just so gorgeous what natural selection does but that's still a constantly changing worldview and so you know I've read really smart, Atheists talk about objective reality, about objective morality, um, and we'll talk about that down the road. But um, without an objective frame of reference, it doesn't make sense. And so their efforts to find objective truth negates their worldview, and that's part of what Frank Turk's book Stealing from God is he says atheists have to steal from God to make their case for objective reality because without God you can't get there.
0: And I posed that question. Thank you for taking us exactly what I was looking at. And I try to look at everything and not be, have preconceived thoughts like I'm right you're right. <clears throat> I want to see all everyone now that doesn't mean that i fall for for things either right so when i i'll just take myself as an example my truth is mine Mm -hmm. and it's not yours right that's my true statement right but i believe in in a god i made myself god at that point so Mm -hmm. i'm an authority and that's the difference right is the objective truth has to have authority so the question is now is like okay what authority you follow to give you your objective truth
1: right
0: right and we touched a little bit i guess in uh christian sexuality about it as well it's like where is it coming from where, where did and we kind of talked about it now because you're like where's your evidence and right. uh when well, we we're going to talk about aliens but that's where yeah down the That'd road yeah. <laughs> um what what do you is it just a uh sin nature Uh, issue uh, a man wanting to be their own God that makes people say that that their truth is their own truth that they're trying to make subjective truth objective truth
1: I think so because I mean whether we're redeemed Jesus followers or we hate God um, we like to be right and if it feels good it's got to be right and so we ourselves in that position of authority because I like what I'm feeling so I'm gonna say it's good I'm gonna say it's right I'm gonna say it's truth and because I'm my own God then it defies my own worldview because I can't say it's absolutely right again if it's just based on my feelings then it can't be absolutely right if it's true,
0: <laughs> okay. So, part of part of teaching this class is obviously not just coming up with the subject matters, but also how to walk this, how to walk it. Correct. Right. So, with how do we walk or converse with somebody who wants to make their subjective truth objective truth? And but yet, I'm gonna go in the in the route of a Satanist. Yeah. I I said the word Satanist. Sorry. Okay. Um because, you know, Tarjay with their whole yeah. line that just came out, right? Mm-hmm. So um Satan, when you ask people about their belief in Satanism, first thing they say, we don't believe in Satan. We we believe in anti authority. Right. <laughs> and I laugh and I was like, Okay, you're anti authority and that and that's your, your truth, correct? Yeah, it's like, okay then Who gave you the authority to say that's truth? Right. Like that's my walk with them, right? Is like
1: Yeah. Like
0: because if there's not an authority, I mean it's what are you doing?
1: Right. And that's to answer your question. I think that's how we should approach it is just really good questions, you know. We need to learn to love questions. You know, Greg Kogel in Tactics says that. Learn to love questions because whether it was Aristotle or Socrates or Jesus they all asked really good questions and showed us that you can lead people to the truth just by asking thoughtful questions by listening by having you know, reflexive and you know all the good communication things but just listening to what they say and then ask them you know what evidence supports that and How do you come to those conclusions and and those things like that and you will help it's not the point but you'll help people dig their own grave um, and they'll recognize that they're the ones that are digging it if they're honest consumers of their own worldview so I think asking questions is the best way that we can lead people to the truth and eventually we'll have to say something Um, but we shouldn't be afraid to ask questions and we were talking about this last week at the house that sometimes Jesus answered a question with a question, so we can't just say, well, that's not fair, and so, but sometimes that is the most rational response to a question is, well, what do you mean by that? What evidence is there? Why do you believe that?
0: Well, we hate it because then we have to give ourselves the answer we've been trying to avoid. That's why <laughs> we hate it. Hate God. Yeah. Jesus said that man hates light. Right? Or darkness, which he was referring to because it shows all our iniquities. And we we tend to like, well, I don't like that idea. I don't like that idea, so I'm going to change it to something uh, something else, which I know is going to be a topic we're going to talk about here a little bit uh, in a little bit with uh, Einstein.
1: Yeah. But I think that's a good segue. Um, You know, my truth, my worldview that I like, my standpoint of epistemology that's tied to the first question I asked in today's session is you know, what is a presupposition and how scientific is presupposition I think we had some good discussion about that in class what did you think of that you know how do you see presuppositions tying starting to make the connection between objective truth and apologetics
0: mm. I'm still learning you know, to be honest, right. I'm still learning. Um, if, if I was to honor you with to answer a question versus just leaving you, kind of like, oh, I don't want to answer because right. I don't know. I can tell you where I'm at right now. All right. If I go into everything thinking I know everything, I'm gonna lose. I'm not. I'm not gonna have an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of m- my lack growing up. <coughs> not really wanting to study, and I spent a lot of time um, watching TV and uh, hanging out with people. And I've come to realize that the more and more you and I have outside conversations, um, because I'll be like, hey, did you, oh, you ever watch this? And you're like, no, no, I can't say I I have. And I'm thinking, I was like, well, I was like, I I see pictures of your house, and I've been to your home, and I see all these books. I was like, that was your TV, or books. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So... Um, in, in my case, I, I w- and and just seeing like the class here, like um, as well, I'm always intrigued um, because they learn one to question everything, uh, and secondly, be like, okay, just because I'm questioning doesn't mean that I'm against it. Right. I want to investigate it, right? And uh, Jesus tells us to to do the same, right? So I'm learning right now, so I, I'm trying not to go in with these preconceived things when I talk to people um so that's my stance, and i think it's great that i don't have it even if, if i'm going to evangelize to somebody that i that i don't have these preconceived notions um because i'm one that's like if i'm wrong mm-hmm. sh- show me the evidence right so i was explaining to you that i had a conversation with somebody and we were talking about luther and 95 theses right and um they're telling me like oh you you western people don't know real history you only know western history and the way you want to write history and i was like well i go i i agree with your statement i go but i also disagree that you think that we're not educated (laughs) i go so let me ask you a question since you're making a truth claim um what do you know about 95 thesis that was the exact response Crickets. Uh,
1: But I mean, Martin Luther was Western so you know, his his thought is I mean, that would just prove my point because, you know, he wasn't from South Asia, you know, not Pakistan or India or Bangladesh or anything. So he's Western in itself, so it's logical for him to not to know that or not think it's important. Um, because you know Martin Luther wasn't really
0: not Western. Yeah, and but that is funny. Yeah, yeah, and so the silence, and I, and I explain to this person, I go, look, because I want to truly know if I'm incorrect. If I'm incorrect, I want to know. I, I come and show me the evidence. Yeah, I go. I'm gonna show you the evidence as well. I go. You go study it. I'm gonna go study it. And we'll come back together, and we're going to hold a trial. And I go, now I want you to understand how important that is. I go, because he wasn't given a trial. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, exactly. Study Mm -hmm. it. I go, just don't study the 95 Thesis. Just like anything else, like when we read the Bible, we need to understand that the Bible was written to those specific people, right? I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. It it was written for us as well, but it was specifically for this group of people, right? Didn't hurt my Um, Contextualize. Yeah. Right? What's going on in that time and world that Luther was like, "Man, this does not seem correct and I have questions."
1: Yeah. And I haven't read the theses. I know broad brush strokes, but I've read a couple biographies on Martin Luther and what's interesting is he was trying to ask questions the whole way down. Yes. And he wasn't trying to destroy the Catholic Church. He wanted the Pope to listen to reason, and they stuck their fingers in the, in their ears and you know put a death warrant out on this guy. You know.
0: Yeah, the Pope needed Gamaliel there. Yeah. You know. That, yeah. That, that, that's exactly what I was thinking when Cody mentioned Acts five today. You know, uh, he needed someone to be like, hey. If this is not from God, it's yeah. gonna fall apart,
1: yeah, so nothing to see here, yeah. don't worry about it, yeah yeah, but I mean the Pope was scared of this little guy from backwoods Poland, basically, <laughs> and he came with truth, and the Pope didn't like it
0: yeah, and you know just to just to bring us back i, I, I I'm not Luther in any sense, but I was inspired by Luther and he's like, I'm not going to say that. I'm correct on here, but we're gonna go ahead and discuss it because if if I'm f- my feeling is that you're incorrect, but because I'm getting emotional about it, um, I want to hear truth, right? And there's uh, there's situations that you and I have discussions about that we approach that be like, tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And it's not just a statement of like I just want to say it to say it to sound nice. It's an actual like, if I'm incorrect, please help me with this. My feelings tell me this my rationale is, like, I don't know, man. Nah, bro, I don't, I don't right. think you're right. And um, so, yeah, so that's where I'm at. What should have been a short answer is never a short answer with <laughs> us. Right. Um, but I love giving details where I'm at, and I'm not ashamed to be like, hey, I don't know everything.
1: Yeah, well, again, I make the same claim. I've just read a whole lot of books, and I know a lot of people who do know a lot of the answers, and so I never want to come off like, well, Sean knows everything. I, don't. I do know a lot of things about a few things and but I'm going back to primary sources I'm going back and reading the ones who wrote the thing and seeing if their evidence is sound So to see if it supports my own position
0: So what I'm about to ask is really uh, a question um, that may sound like oh the, this guy is not really rooted okay. um, and just like Everything else is just a setup, so I'm disclosing that. <laughs> Bring it on. All right, so preconceived notions and the approach that I take of um, I'm willing to listen to you to see if I'm wrong. Does Is that wrong for me to be that way, or should I have, like, God's truth is the actual truth, and I fully believe in that, that I'm not willing to listen to you. I'm just asking you that, to get to where I want to be, E over the head with
1: um, because I'm not perfect and because you're not perfect, I think there's always the chance that I'm gonna get it wrong. While my reasonable faith and while my belief is in the right thing, just, I mean, Christians have been wrong about a lot of things. Christians have done some really bad things in the name of God. So I'm not accusing you of, you know, supporting slavery or anything like that. But, you know, Christians throughout history have been wrong about a lot of things. They've misused scripture. And so I don't think what I'm getting from your question is I don't think it's betraying your faith in the one true God. I don't think you're undermining the authority of scripture. But I think it's a reasonable position to hold because we're dirty, rotten, selfish people. And so I could, could be wrong about what I believe. What I believe in isn't wrong. And I think that's the distinction that you can make with that to understand that your position is reasonable to, you have, you have reasonable faith in God as the eternal one, as the omnipotent and omniscient God. So my belief doesn't change him. My belief ultimately changed me and my belief might not be on point. And so going into a conversation, one, believing that you're wrong, humility is built into that. And so humility is always a good position to be in because even the living God on earth didn't walk in saying, hey, y'all sit down and shut up. I know all the answers. He did know all the answers and he still didn't approach it that way. He still asked lots of questions. He knew the right answers, but he still showed grace and humility as he led people to the truth. So I think that's a way that we can approach it too, that we're not God in the flesh, but we believe in God in the flesh, but I might have something that isn't exactly right. And so I'm willing to have the conversation and evaluate my belief in terms of your belief and see if what the evidence supports mm-hmm.
0: you, mean, you mentioned faith uh, which was the, the setup is to get to faith uh, which was one, one of the subjects today uh, that we brought up when, when we go I don't know maybe I'm incorrect Do you fit? I guess I'll just ask it. is apologetics uh, a form of evangelism
1: I think they're connected. Mm -hmm. Um, The, you know, apologetics has been around for a while, and uh, C.S. Lewis hated apologetics. (laughs) Um, Because too often, apologists make the apology the thing, and they lose sight of the actual objective, which is to lead people to Jesus. And, you know, that's why I believe that Jesus is what makes the gospel. Compelling, apologetics just make it makes it reasonable. You know, at the end of class, um, one of the men said, um, "Just lost it." Makes it reasonable. <laughs> I forget what I, what I was gonna say. I said, maybe it'll come back to me. Um, but apologetics is. Oh, he said. So you walk up to somebody who doesn't believe in God, and you say, "Well, the Bible says." The Bible is meaningless to that person. So referring to the Bible is at best irrelevant. At worst, it's stupid and irresponsible because you're, you're speaking a different language. And so if they don't believe the Bible is true, then what the Bible says is meaningless. And so what apologetics is designed and should primarily be used for is to show that there are good reasons to have faith. We don't believe because of the reasons, but the reasons make our faith reasonable, make it makes our faith logical. And so apologetics never saved anybody. Jesus and the gospel is all that saves people, but apologetics can help let people know that what you believe isn't stupid. Mm-hmm. Isn't a historical isn't unscientific yeah so it's not the point but it helps get people to the point
0: so c.s lewis uh, doesn't like apologetics um you're almost complete with your master's in apologetics you explained why he didn't like apologetics so i'm sure someone's already asked you the question if not then i'm happy that i'll be the first yeah what was your reason for apologetics what View to be like, I want to be an apologist.
1: Basically, because I grew up, the Bible tells me so, and that didn't work for me all the time. You know, as, as we have discussed before, you know, I knew I was a sinner really early on, and so, but because all anybody said was, well, this is what the Bible says, just don't do the thing or make sure you do this thing because the bible says it's true there was never presented a reason why i needed to trust the bible Um, and so you know driving to work on fort bragg in north carolina in 2008 i turned on american family radio and you know hear that drum intro to cross-examined on frank turek you know you know examining atheistic views you say, hear somebody say, you know, there is no truth. What do you say? How do you know that's true? And I was like, that's, I've never heard that before. I, you know, I have never knew that I could believe in God with my brain, not just my heart and my spirit. And, you know, so I started reading the books. Um, I kept listening to Cross-Examine Radio and then just, you know, reading Case for Christ and all Lee Strobel's books and Cold Case Christianity um, with J. Warren Wallace and Starting with More Than a Carpenter. I mean that is a really short apologetics book that just like Lee Strobel and J. Warren Wallace, Josh McDowell, didn't like God and their first book was about what made them believe in God and just reading, reading their books just showed me that the power of the truth of the gospel is compelling enough that it can lead people that hated the idea of God to be some of the most staunch defenders of the gospel. And just it showed me that we've got so much more to offer. God gave us so much more to offer than the Bible tells me so. Jesus said we're supposed to love the Lord God with our heart, soul, and mind. He didn't say, close your eyes and plug your ears, and there's no place like home, there's no place like home. God exists, God exists, God exists. Jesus said, love me with your mind. And blind faith is failing to follow that, that command Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And so C.S. Lewis didn't like apologetics because apologists can get really focused on the argument as opposed to the gospel and he was just compelled that all of the compelled by all of the, just the beauty of creation you know c.s lewis was an atheist and he didn't like the idea of god because of the problem of evil and we'll talk about that in a few weeks um and so he just saw that the beauty of the gospel and that's why he wrote all those books um, just to show the magnificence of the gospel and how the gospel is all that can save. And so he felt like people that were going to say, well, these reasons and these reasons and these reasons weren't compelling. So it was he was opposed to the method, not necessarily the thing. And so I've kept that in mind as I've studied apologetics, that apologetics isn't the same. Jesus is the thing. Jesus is what redeems us. But this world is begging for reasons mm-hmm. to believe in something other than myself. You know, because I'm constantly surrounded by things that are supposed to make me feel good, things that are supposed to make me feel validated, all those things. I need to know that there's something bigger than me, but I'm only likely to believe that there's something bigger than me when when there is evidence that supports that thing, when it is rational, when it's philosophically sound that I believe in those things, that there is concrete historical evidence that supports those things that there's philosophy that that supports those beliefs, and those are just different aspects of apologetics that helps make make that belief make sense helps me understand that there is a reason bigger than me and then that's where evangelism takes over that's where discipleship takes over and that's has to be separate from apologetics and apologetics will help lead people to the point where they where faith is possible, where discipleship is possible, where receiving the gospel is possible because they know it's more than just the Bible tells me so
0: I pose that question <clears throat> to you because uh, I mean we both listen to Apology Radio. Yeah, and we follow those guys and um we also listen to like Daily Wire. Uh, yeah. And when I think of about apologetics, when I see those guys do it, I think I'm more, I don't think I'm enamored by apologetics, in the sense like, oh, I want to learn to be an apologist, mm-hmm. but more like what you're saying in the sense of like, I want to know apologetics so I can go and disciple and to evangelize, um, you know, uh, so those guys that are involved there, you know, being that we're gonna put this out in the streaming, I don't wanna use names in case it's like, right? But when you see them, when you see them do it, I'm trying to decide, is it, is the stance of, con- is it from conviction knowing that what they know is truth, that uh, they have this pa- this passion that, does, that doesn't, it seems like they're not compassionate enough, or am I just being like, oh, you're being too soft in that. And, that, and I think that's where my evangelist uh, view comes into play versus the apologists. And I, and I bring it up because we don't know you know what our class wants to do with the apologetics is it they're going to do it just so that they can reinforce their belief and know that hey, it's not blind faith. That this is actual truth or is like no, I want to know this so I am strengthened that I have a case, a real case. The evidence, right? The evidence demands a verdict. Right. Right? That, you know, that take of it. So, yeah. um and that's why I posed that question. I'm trying to like, uh, figure out like you know those things. So I want to make sure that people know that you can commingle the two yeah. and you can also just take the stance of one. yeah. And it's okay. Definitely.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just for yourself mm-hmm. then apologetics has a value. Because if it strengthens your faith in the one true God, then if there's just one, then praise God for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're a little bit stronger in your faith then you're going to be a better witness and you may not use any of those things but they're still there and God may make a way where just that that little bit of knowledge beyond what scripture says that's consistent with scripture though but that little piece of evidence that you know might make a difference God will make a way for you to be able to use that to open the door for the gospel to do the real work. Yeah, uh,
0: Nathaniel said it very well in class, right? He's all uh, the the gospel. The gospel will give you all the words that you need. Yeah, <laughs> right. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you.
1: Well everything. And, and, Yeah, and yeah. that Scripture doesn't say fix yourself before you come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one that fixes you, and, and so that's another key point that we all have to remember that. Because you know, a lot of times the church will say, you got to clean yourself up before you walk in this building. That is opposed to scripture. That is anti Christ. That if if I can clean myself up, then I don't need Jesus. Amen to that. Yeah. I, I would
0: never be able to step into the building.
1: Yeah. You and me <laughs> both. Right? So,
0: yeah. Um, and I want to plug. We have Tactics, More Than a Carpenter. You, you mentioned another book, A Case for Christ. Case for Christ. Uh, soon to come, uh, Cold Case Cold Christianity. Case. They're all going to be in the uh, Young Adults um, Library uh, in our class yeah. on the left-hand bookshelf, where it's at currently. I'm not sure where it will be next week, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to make sure. So, as we reference these books, we want you to know that the, those sources are available for you to come and pick up. Uh, and uh, and you know just make sure you bring them back. If you need a copy that you would love to keep, uh, let us know because then we can just reorder another yeah. another copy. We want to put these resources out to you um, so um, you have them and share them and strengthen. Um, I know we kind of went sideways a yeah. little bit, but I think it was really important because of- I agree. The, the course that we're taking. Um, I know that, or I, I believe what I'm seeing and by the questions that we're posing and the answers that we're getting. Um, I, I don't think anyone in our class has a subjective truth. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, these guys are great. Um, but I think they do have a, a firm grasp of where their identity comes from and where their truth comes from. I, agree. Um, I know that we, uh, I had a note. Did you write it down? I had to do something with. I'm gonna make sure to cut this portion out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To I got it. Okay. Okay. So, um, so they have a firm belief of where the truth is, right? You, you posed a, a question that I thought was great, and it was like, "Does God take sides?" Oh
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God doesn't take sides, and to the men last week said. You awesome answers for that is they both got there and i didn't say it and um beforehand that you know there's god's size and then there's us and god doesn't move and this ties back to truth if god is the standard then god doesn't move you know we move away from him we move toward him and you know so that was one of the things in tactics is just an an argument is well god doesn't take sides and so the question that greg kokel uses suggests to respond to that is well would god agree with you Um, if god doesn't take sides it's kind of like truth doesn't exist how do you know that's true if god doesn't take sides is he not on your side too and if he's not on your side why are you preaching to me about it So, but again questions are really good but we have to Prepare beforehand so that we're ready to see something for the way it is, and then ask clarifying questions about it. So, God doesn't take sides. You're right. He is His own side. He is the side. But if you're making the claim, He doesn't take sides, then your claim is meaningless because He's not on your side either. Run that through me. So, like,
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to see the viewpoint way that's a negative that um, that he's not on my side. Okay. I think maybe because I'm understanding. Let me give you my perspective why. Uh, that will probably help. I need to be on his side. I don't need him to be on my side. Right. Even if he doesn't show up, I'm still on his side. So if someone goes, well, you, that's why you shouldn't believe in him or you should believe in a different God because he's not there for you. I think is where people want to use the sides. like. Okay. If someone's on your side, they got your six. Right. Right? And I think about um, the garden, the garden scene when Christ uh, asked Peter and John and James. James to to go with him, right, to go pray, and these guys fall asleep. And I'm going to pick on John mostly, um, right, Cause, or even Peter. Um, John is like, oh, he loved me the most. How is was? Best friend, I'm his best friend. I was like, "You want title as best friend? Do you understand what comes with that?"
1: Yeah, it's a lot of baggage.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And and I used to get so upset, right? And I, and I was thinking like, "Oh, I'm just like these guys." <laughs> right. Like, I'll never let. I'll never let that happen. Oh, like yeah, whatever. I, I've denied Christ so many times. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And this is why uh, I should give shorter talk and just get to the point uh, so we don't run out of battery. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, like I mentioned, once uh, the battery ran out, um, why is it a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? What's the point you're trying to make that, he, that he's not on my side, that he's not on your side? Why is that a bad thing?
1: Well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just points out the inconsistency of their belief. And so by preaching at me about not being so preachy you're violating your own rules and it's just the point is we're all dirty rotten sinners and you're probably i'm just as wrong as you probably are and so uh, let's stop arguing and just get to the point which is the truth of god's word his objective truth and our identity in him and then because he is true he's worthy of respect and truth is dependent on him, then what he says about all these other things actually means something. So let's quit pointing fingers and get to scripture. And then we can figure out, it's not about figuring out who's right and wrong. That's a horrible way to read the Bible. Um, But we'll get there by reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be our main objective when we go to the Bible. Yeah. So that's why I think it's important to make that distinction not because, you know, you can drive home a point. It is just simply that we're all on the same point, dirty, rotten sinners that need a Savior. And you're probably right. I'm probably wrong, but you are too. And so let's go back to the source of truth, Mm -hmm. to the founder of identity, and that's God. And Scripture is His Word. And then we can find out what's right. And because God doesn't take sides, we can both come closer to him and each other in the process. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it, I guess maybe I was taking it like you were them telling me that. I'm like, hold on.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so that's how probably if someone was to approach me, like, with the, that statement. Like, I just won because I proved mm-hmm. that because he's not on your side and he's not on my side.
1: I was like, well, hold on. Let's. Right. It's not a got gotcha <laughs> you yeah. response. But and, I feel like they think it is. Right. But that's the thing. That's why C.S. Lewis didn't like apologists because you know, it's about the argument. And mm-hmm. it's it's not about the argument. And that's what I love about Greg Kogel is, you know, it is just – it's a way to get closer to the truth by pointing out that you're just as wrong as I am. But that's not the, the thing. It's helping us get to the point where we can go to – the source of truth, where we can move closer to God's side, as opposed to arguing about whose side He's on. Yeah,
0: man, I got this sudden surge <laughs> to talk about science.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you like that? That was good. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So what am I referring to? as in surge?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I made the dumb reference to you know that that wonderfully. Awful drink back in the <laughs> '90s and early 2000s, Surge. Um, and I just got blank stares, um, but yeah, that's when I found five dollars. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. So, <laughs> five dollars isn't worth what it was when I heard that, so maybe it's hey, I found fifty dollars. What? you find it? And that's the point is just to get people's attention back. But yeah, so Surge, um, I I brought that up as it relates to the Christian worldview, and again, I started the conversation with that we're not arguing when all this stuff happened um, because as I said you know faithful Christians believe in all kinds of things as it relates to creation of the world and while I may have trouble understanding how you got there if you believe in God is who he says he is in Scripture how you believe those things about evolution or things like that but that's a different discussion like I said it was over lunch we're not going have that discussion in class um, we're just talking about that it happened if Creation happened is is the point of our discussion in class, and so, you know, I started with how Christians think we got here.
0: Um, I I would pose the question as well, right. and I know we do we do pose the question to the other side. How did how did we get here? Um, do you feel like Christians have a problem with how did we get here? I guess uh, my question to you is: Is it just because you're wanting to get a feedback from them that you asked that question? Like, how did we get here? I feel like even Sunday school Christians understand how we got here.
1: Yeah, but I think, especially as we grow and mature, it's it's a question we should answer. Mm-hmm. Again, if just for ourselves, how how do I think we got here? And on the face of it, because I've read all the other things, I don't think I got here broom fish. You know, that is something that Apologia talks about, you know, you, from fish to philosophers, but that's actually what they believe. Um, I Cos- don't believe Cosmic that. stardust. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's so funny. Yeah, well, I mean, Carl Sagan, have you seen that like the cosmos? But like him, and we'll talk about this, Stephen Hawking, and, and Richard Dawkins, they all talk about the, the, just the wonderful design. But wait a second, it's not designed, but man, it looks designed, but it's not designed, it's not designed, it's like, you know, don't think about pink elephants, don't so think about pink elephants. Um, kind of way that the church deals with porn and all the other things doesn't exist doesn't exist doesn't exist i have to keep telling myself it doesn't exist because it exists preach brother yeah anyway but that's a different that's our wednesday night class so um (laughs) that will start back up at the end of the summer so men um be prepared to be sharpened come we're not going to beat anybody over the head but you know we had brave brothers who came and learned together with us we all learned something they they said this was definitely worth their time Um, in fact one of them said this is the best church class he's ever been to um and so yeah men men come to come to class we're teaching on real life issues that we want to equip people um, with and but bringing it back to the discussion is it's important for us to know to consider how we think everything got here just so we are grounded in faith and saying it out loud helps process it helps make it reasonable because a lot of people never ask themselves that question Mm -hmm. you know how do i think well Genesis one one is that's how we got here but if i don't if you don't believe in the bible that's just well the bible says this that's the same thing if i only believe because of genesis chapter one then that's a meaningless conversation with somebody else who doesn't believe in God. Mm -hmm. I have to show you that Scripture is reasonable to believe in then you can believe what Scripture says about it. But if I don't consider that question, how do I think it got here, we got here, then I'm selling myself and Scripture short because I'm not thinking about what I believe.
0: So shouldn't the question be how did God get here?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, if I think I said this last week, if you don't believe God exists, then that's a pointless conversation. (laughs) You know, our presuppositions are in absolute opposition to each other. So if you don't believe God exists, then why do you care how I think he got here? Um, But again, that goes back to scripture. That is our faith. How, how God exists, you know, and the, the concept of eternity and omnipotence and omniscient and the trinity all those things are like those are discipleship issues that's that's growing in your faith i don't have to believe that god's eternal to be saved from my sin once once i am saved what i am redeemed once i am find salvation then i can work out those finer points because if i believe in the risen son then all the other things that God's followers say about God become more reasonable. So I think it's important that we don't start there because, again, that's just the Bible tells me so. So you don't believe God exists, so I'm not going to bother trying to explain who God is and what eternal past and all those things are because you actually believe in that too. Um, So let's put that aside and let's talk about the things that we can know based off. The evidence based on what we can test, and then what we have to observe. Well, don't
0: you think it's it's relative to the conversation when they're um, trying to get to a starting point? God's the starting point. Yeah. Right, uh, and I'm leading, asking this question to lead us to, ice um, Einstein's issue, where, with his uh, theory of relativity. Uh, right. Relativity. Wait, uh, when you mentioned in class that he didn't like what he was seeing, so he mixed. Basically, he messed up the math to make it, yeah. I'd be mean, like, to make himself feel better. Um, so, my question he had an issue with a beginning. Yeah. That's what you said, right? Yeah. So, was the issue that there's God? Or just, I don't know, I'm
1: asking. Right. So, you or, know, as we've said before, really honest atheists say they don't believe in God because they don't like somebody telling them how to live. And I know nothing about Einstein's personal life. Um, So, I don't know if that's part of the issue, but, I mean, thoughtful atheists don't like the idea of a beginning, because they agree that something that begins to exist, they believe in the cosmological argument, that if it began to exist, then there has to be a cause, and they don't like the options for a cause, and so they come up with all kinds of things that we'll talk about in future weeks, but taking it back to how Einstein is connected. You know, SURGE, the acronym for S is the second law of thermodynamics. Um, U is the universe is expanding. R is radiation from that beginning. Um, G is galaxy seeds. And E is Einstein's theory of general relativity. And you know, I pointed out the fact that when Einstein did his calculations and, and came up with this this math that showed how the universe began and how time, space, and matter are all co-relative, it led him to a finite beginning. And I don't know why, but it is widely reported, I mean, in his own diaries, that that made him uncomfortable. And so he, he built in a mathematical error in his calculations that made the universe eternal and within a couple of years other scientists checked his math and like dude you know you screwed this up right and because he was a thoughtful scientist he was like yeah i just i didn't like what my numbers meant so i fudged the numbers so it didn't mean what it meant
0: <clears throat> when you when you brought it up in class i couldn't help to think like wow I, I don't know enough of him to know whether he was a follower or a believer, or to claim that he wasn't. I don't know enough about him to, to make that kind of statement. But in my simple thinking, I was like, man, that's awesome because it, that's God, he's eternal, he was, I am. You know, that he's that close to me like, okay, there's eternity, there's, there's not an end. You know, so do they have an issue with the beginning because there's an end? <laughs> That'd be the cause and effect, right? There's right. a beginning, so there's an so, end.
1: So has to be an end but that's you know i talked about lawrence krauss and you know brought up dawkins and and hawking and all these people they don't like the idea of an end because an end requires a beginning and and they come up with all these different things you know multiverse and all these like that Mm -hmm. that that help get you closer to eternity but still require a beginning it just pushes the discussion pushes the cause back a level you know if it is not the big bang you know that is a singular point but the multiverse just pushes the beginning farther back cuz you know we'll talk about it you know what created the universe generator um, and you know when did the universe generator start and what built all those things in it you know is it like a slot machine somebody's just pumping quarters in then how did the person put the quarters and all those things i get there's an infinite regress you have to keep working backwards into eternity which is ill irrational it's illogical in something that is finite in something that is material something that is naturalistic it would defy their own worldview if they say there's a beginning so they try to conceptualize an eternal past, but always get stuck in that infinite regress mm-hmm. that you can't start because you didn't have a, a beginner. You know, what was the first cause? You're, you're just pushing the first cause back and back and back, coming up with all these mathematical calculations and theori- it's theoretical physics is when you're trying to build your worldview into your numbers But in the end, it is just a theory, and it is just trying to figure out how we got here without missing that three-letter word. So what's the difference
0: between, like, what they thought and then a nihilism, right? Uh, And I've shared this with you, that I find comfort in in an end, in a a nihilism, you know what I mean? Where these guys are like, no,
1: there's just forever. Right. But they don't like the idea of forever, Um, but they're hoping for a different kind of forever yeah so nihilism
0: yeah and i say so we i i firmly believe we have to do apologetics within the church the big c right because there is um denominations that believe in a nihilism that uh, because our god is so loving that he wouldn't allow suffering for eternity there's no there's no heaven for them but hell when the part of their punishment being paid so you can see i'm rolling my eyes because right. at the work space, right that it's like yeah. okay you paid your punishment so now your whole existence is over and done with and it's, it's over maybe i feel okay with the nihilism just from my so-called faith beforehand mm-hmm.
1: so so your question
0: yeah, i mean how do how do we how do we walk someone through that to be like if god's word is true eternity is for everybody right
1: yeah
0: there is no a nihilism. It's everyone has eternal life. Yeah. It's just location at that point.
1: Right. Yeah, It's the outcome of the finite decisions we mm-hmm. make have infinite outcomes mm-hmm. and that brings us back to the gospel is I can have all the reasons but if I don't understand the eternal consequence of my actions then the gospel is meaningless because if I'm going to live forever if it doesn't matter if it's ashes to ashes and dust to dust and there's just we're just star stuff and you know meat machines and all those things then it is pointless Mm -hmm. it's it's good you know secular humanists say you know human flourishing you know unfortunately human flourishing usually involves killing babies and you know hating on people and things like that but if this is all there is then then finding meaning is pointless. But if we believe that there is meaning and there is a finite end to our lives, then that should bring those that follow Jesus back to Jesus so that we introduce, try to introduce other people to that so that their eternal outcome is in line with God's plan. Because God didn't design us to go to hell. We choose to go to hell because of our actions our desires but there isn't God isn't like you know a bug squasher you know he's not just you're done you're out Um, that's what people who don't believe in God think it's just you die you're done there's not eternal suffering but because we believe there is eternal suffering that that should give us cause and reason and desire to let people know about what can redeem them from that eternal suffering and that's the gospel that's jesus that's only possible through jesus like um, archie said uh, during communion day eternal salvation required such a magnanimous sacrifice to buy our salvation for all eternity it had to be that gruesome it had to be that perfectly awful because it he wasn't perfect in that sacrifice then the salvation that it brought wouldn't be perfect either so i think christians who are nihilists are actually closer to atheists than they want to admit because that's what atheists believe that we're just done at the end and we have to live our best life now while we have it because for tomorrow we die
0: yeah and And that's, when I re- reflect that's why I want more growth, why I want to study to not be afraid of eternity, because it should be beautiful, right if his word is true and I'm a follower, and really following him and not just a fan of him, which is another book we're going to yeah. have in the library <laughs> I should not be afraid of eternity like i I should not want to accept a nihilism, yeah because that that's horrific to be like, oh, it was for nothing yeah so, yeah um a great uh, I I wrote this down. It was great. Um, you were we were talking about uh, evolution and God, and someone brought up, well, the problem is that uh, people think each of those are exclusive and not inclusive. What was your thoughts on that? I I found it very intriguing.
1: Okay, like what specifically about that was interesting to you?
0: And to me, it was like, oh, God could use evolution and, that's and not separate.
1: You. Yeah. That is a worldview, and it's called theistic evolution. Um, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. (laughs) Like, if you claim to believe in the same God I believe in, Mm -hmm. and you say that he's omnipotent, he has ultimate power, then why don't you trust what Scripture says? And I'm not even saying, like, old earth creationists. Like, that's not creation. That's something else. And if God is who you say you believe he is, my question would be, why or how do you believe he is who you say he is, if he had to rely on an unguided process? If, kind of like the problem of evil, if he had to rely on this unguided process, was he actually that powerful? If he did rely on this process, is he all knowing because he couldn't figure it out, or? Was he not able to figure it out? It just, to me, it brings up more questions. And I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I just really want to understand how, how does theistic evolution jive with Scripture? And so that's an opportunity for you to, for me to reflect on the reasonableness of my position. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also just helps me understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, you know, a good question to ask is where do we agree, and if we can agree that on the terms that God is omnipotent and omniscient, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, show me how that jives with this idea of unguided evolution. Help me understand how he could be all those things and evolution be true. Is he not powerful en- enough to make it happen the way the scripture says? He's not wise enough to figure it out? Is he not all-knowing enough to have designed it? Why would he need natural selection? if he needed something else, then he's not who Scripture says he is.
0: So you have evolution, and then you have, uh, what is it when it scales down? De-evolution? Is that, I don't know. Right, because evolution is going upwards, right? You're coming from something, this, and then scaling up. Yeah. So um, I know I'm getting way into the weeds of what I'm (laughs) about to say, but what is it called when you're coming down? You're not, you're, regressing.
1: Yeah, so I mean we talked about it. That's the second law of thermodynamics, is entropy. It is going from organized to less organized where evolution goes from unorganized to more organized and nothing but cancer operates that way in natural world. Nothing goes from complete disorganization to this really specific organization. Just it came to me while I was saying that. Cancer is the only thing I know that does that. That goes from disorganized, you know, not virulent, to this thing that will kill you. I can't think of anything else in that exists or has existed that goes from disorganization to organization. I mean, that's how bombs work, <laughs> is they go from organization to disorganization. Just they do it a lot faster with a lot more heat Nothing we see does it the way atheists believe it works, you know, and, and they'll say, you know, seven, second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, only applies to a closed system, but the universe isn't a closed system, so it doesn't actually apply. So you think, you think the law of entropy applies to the universe, but it doesn't.
0: And that goes to the U, the ex- expanding.
1: Right. right, the uh,
0: universe is expanding. Uh, I had an opportunity to travel to New York before they lost their mind completely, <laughs> um, and we went to the uh, the museum. Uh, there, uh, just across the street from uh, Central Park, uh, where it has uh, the planetarium inside it. Okay. and so I've shared with you like how fearful I am of space. Right? yeah so inside this planetarium thing you, it's a theater and it's all like LED uh televisions that okay, encompass yeah. it and uh, it was cool because they talked about the big Bang right, okay. and then it's just showing you they're like, hey, you can be anywhere in the universe, and the universe is going away from you yeah. you know and, that, and that's, to me it' was like, wow, that's amazing. It just keeps going and yeah. going and going and going so um to so when you were talking about entropy it was like, oh, well, yeah doesn't make sense if it's still expanding for 14 billion years or whatever you're trying to say it's like oh yeah no, no. but so with entropy um sorry it, it is or, or does the their theory of like oh eventually fuel is going to stop and it's going to cool down that falls into entropy mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay. that we're going from more fuel to less fuel you know mm-hmm. think of it as a car you know you fill up your gas mm-hmm. tank car runs out of fuel that is essentially both the law of entropy and the expansion of the universe this concludes this week's
0: podcast just remember when the world tries to get you to backslide all you gotta say is
1: nah bro